going to talk about something that tends to make the church uncomfortable. We're going to talk about money. We're going to talk about finances. We're going to talk about provision and specifically how this is one of the things God wants to do for you. You know, in Luke 10, when Jesus was sending the disciples out, he said, don't take any money with you. Don't take anything with you at all. And I think somehow we got this twisted in the church. We thought Jesus was launching us out into a gospel of, of, of lack, as opposed to realizing what he was saying is when we talk with our abundant, generous Heavenly Father, when we walk with him through the gift of his Son, that we'll never need anything ever again because he has everything for us and can't wait to give it to us. My guest today to unpack all this with you and for you is my good friend, Ed Rush. Ed, how are you? Robert, what's going on, man? Man, it's just been awesome. We just spent like the last hour, by the way, for those of you who just want to know behind the scenes, uh, just chatting about life and business and that sort of thing. So it's a real honor to be on. You said a good friend, and I heartily agree with that. It's been an honor just to We've only known each other for like five months now, but it, it feels like it's years. crazy. So. I know. <laughs> it's not like a, this immediate kinship connection. Yeah. You've become one of my favorite people. And I love what you do. You deal in supernatural success strategies. You help people, you help businesses, you help business leaders hear from God. And what amazes me is you do it for believers, you do it for people who don't believe yeah. yet, because yeah. you have this revelation that we are made in God's image. He is an abundant God. He is a God of more than enough. We are to be abundant and more than enough. We're to be blessed so that we can be a blessing. And I love that you're helping people here specifically in this area for finances, for provision, and even for money. Because yeah. money is a tool. It's a kingdom tool. And we can use it to do kingdom works all over the world. But even before I start to pick your brain for the people on how we can hear from God on provision and money and financial breakthrough. Share your thoughts on why do you think this lie got into the church that yeah. lack is holiness or poverty is good? We're to take care of the poor. We're not yeah. to be poor. How, how, what happened? Yeah, it's really it's really astute. But one of the so uh, part of what I do is help people unpack the lies that they were ta taught and find out what's true from God. I'll tell you a little bit of the story in a moment. But I will tell you as I've been mentoring, teaching, helping people who've grown out of, in, up in the church, like I grew up in the church, there's a lie that pervades across the church that says that broke is better. You hear it everywhere uh, you go. In fact, in some cases, the idea of poverty is just exalted. And I will just simply tell you, um, that's not the world that the New Testament was built on, okay? Uh, and I'll, I'll talk about that in a second. But before I do that, I'm just going to go back in time and tell you my first foray into understanding God and money in the same sentence. And I was a fighter pilot, so I flew F-18s in the Marine Corps for years. Uh, flew in Iraq, was in overseas in, in the Far East for quite a bit. I was the number one instructor in the Marine Corps for one against one dogfighting, graduate of Top Gun. And then I left the Marine Corps and I went into business. And I was a believer at the time, okay? Not a very spirit-filled believer, but a, a believer nonetheless. Uh, and I went and started writing books and helping entrepreneurs and growing and selling businesses. Uh, and it was 2008. I was sitting in my little chair. It's right over here still, this old recliner where I do a lot of praying. And I was sitting in that chair and I felt really guilty. And, and I don't even know why I felt guilty. Honestly, like I hadn't done anything wrong. And you know, you can feel guilty when you haven't done anything wrong. Like for example, it works the opposite. Like I have a five-year-old. Uh, the other day she took some cookies she wasn't supposed to take. Uh, she was guilty. She did not feel guilty. Okay, she was guilty. I was the opposite in 2008. I was sitting in my chair uh, and I felt guilty. And I'll tell you, I've never had an experience like this before, but I heard there's this valley in this little town that I live in, in uh, South San Diego. 
and in the valley, I heard a police car woo, come, come flying through. Woo, woo. And the first thought I had, honestly, I, I, I hate to admit this. The first thought I had was, gosh, I hope they're not coming for me. I was like, wait a second, I hadn't even broken any laws. I mean, like maybe the speed limit, you know, I'm a fighter pilot. But besides that, I hadn't broken any law. I, like everything I did in my business was, you know, ethical and moral and just. And I was like, whoa, 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 wait a second. So I asked God, I just asked God, what's the deal with that? Why am I having a challenge with money? And I realized that I had what I call a two category problem. I was taught growing up in the church, uh, there's two categories of people. There are good, poor people, and there are evil, wealthy people. But it wasn't just the church, it was movies, like all the movies I watched, billionaires. Every time the billionaire shows up in a movie, the music changes, you know what I'm saying? Like, it's like, oh, here comes the jerk, you know? Uh, and, I, and music taught me that growing up, and TV taught me that, and everything that I, I knew growing up taught me that, you know, if you're, if you're rich, you're evil, and if you're broke, you're probably a really good person. And I was starting to make money, and I was starting to acquire wealth. In fact, I was moving into 2009, the year after that would be my first seven-figure year. Uh, and God wanted to reset my understanding of money. And so I went into the book of Proverbs, which, by the way, if you want to understand money, uh, it's it's help, very helpful for you to go into the Old Testament. A fundamental principle, by the way, of biblical interpretation is if it's not fully explained in the New Testament, go to the Old Testament. Okay, like, for example, the New Testament has very few songs. There's very few songs in the New Testament. In fact, quite a bit of the songs, even the New Testament, like if you go to Revelation, it says they were saying, holy, holy, holy is the Lord. It didn't even say sing. So why, why are there so few songs in the New Testament? Well, we have 150 wonderful songs in the Old Testament. And God was like, look, you got a lot of songs already there. Uh, and in the New Testament, the money is talked about. But remember, it's always talked about in the foundation of what was taught in the Old Testament. So I went to the book of Proverbs. And I put, took my pen and I put a little dot next to every verse in the book of Proverbs that talked about money. By the way, there's a lot. Money, poverty, wealth, lack, abundance. There's a lot of verses like that. And what I realized is there are actually, actually four categories. There are good, poor people, and there's also evil, poor people. What? I didn't even know that existed. There's evil, rich people. Well, we knew that. And there's also good, uh, rich people. And I thought, you know, in that quadrant, all things being equal, I think what I'd like to be is the good, rich person. Because at the very least, you can use your resources to begin to change the world. Now, I ask people this a lot. I said, look, what would it be like if the top 400, Forbes 400, richest, most wealthy people in the world, were spirit-filled, spirit-led, God-designed believers. Could you imagine how the world would change if that was the case? And it begins to reset your idea of money. Robert, you mentioned this in the intro that, about how we're blessed to be a blessing. Fundamentally, a core Hebrew understanding of, of wealth was that you're blessed. You're blessed so that you can be a blessing. That is an overarching understanding uh, of money. When you see that, for example, you're blessed to be a blessing instead of the lie that broke is better, you begin to make some really good decisions. So yeah, we can unpack some of the uh, Old Testament. We can unpack some of the New Testament. We can unpack some of where we're at right now in the mid uh, end of 2023. And uh, that's a that's a place to start. Well, one of the things you said that I think we've got to get our heads around is that money is there to be used for the kingdom. Like what if the, the 400 richest people in the world were had this revelation that you carry and you're helping them get? Because again, one of the other ways this lie got in, I think, is people misread the love of money is the root of all evil. And they yeah. read it as money is, is the, the root of all, is all evil. Yeah. And it's not. Yeah. It's the love of money. It's it's getting worth, getting value, thinking that's what's important, having, having, having. Money's a tool, as, as you know. But to give you guys an example, as Ed and I talk about this, and he's going to share more wisdom on this, I always use this example, Ed. For six years, I worked in Southeast Asia on anti-human trafficking. 
And the reason people were trafficked was because of the love of money. Yeah. Because money and wealth was valued more than those women, those young men, and those children. And obviously that's wicked and that's evil. And we worked for six years to stop it. But, you know, one of the ways that we broke that cycle, prayer, the working mm -hmm. of miracles, uh, outreach, evangelism, absolutely. One of the other ways we did that is raising money so that we could build micro enterprises so that people never had to go into or be lured into that life in that trade. Why? Because we knew money was a tool. It could be used to break the cycle or perpetuate the cycle. And when we didn't love money, but we saw money as a tool, we were actually able to begin to break that wicked cycle of human trafficking of men, of women, of ladyboys, and of children, yeah. because we use money as a tool to create education programs, micro enterprise programs, um, uh, recovery places that were safe, but it's, it's money is not evil. It's what is, it's the love of money that's evil. Right, and right. I like that you're so bold about this because we need to be, <laughs> we need to sort of get in the church's face and saying, Hey, we can do so much good with money because when you see it as a tool to do yeah. good with all of a sudden, God will trust you with it and it'll flow through. Yeah. So I want to go anywhere you feel to, but with that, one thing I'd like you to touch on is you talked a bit up front. I, I think you either just said it or in, in your wonderful book, God Talks. Let me get that on the camera. Hey, look at um, that. Look at this. I Ed Rush. Um, this book is awesome, you guys, and it will take you through so much of a process of learning to hear God in many areas, including finances. Mm -hmm. But Ed, you talk about one of the most important things is to let God help us understand lies we yeah. we have believed about money. Two questions for you. Number one, can you share a lie that you keep coming up against with people that we yeah. believed about money? And then also help people understand how to perceive the lies that they believe. Because sometimes we believe something for so long, yeah. we don't even think it's a lie. We just yeah. think, you know, like, like poverty is holy. That's a lie, yeah. but the church has embraced it. So do we simply ask Holy Spirit, highlight to me lies I've believed? Or what process do we go through and right. what's a lie that we tend to believe? Yeah, that's really good. Thank you for that. I mean, here's so part of the... Um, part of the wonderful blessing of the place where a lot of us grew up and also part of whatever the opposite of a blessing is the curse of the place that we grew up is we tend to believe what we were taught when we were growing up and i grew up in a very bible believing a uh, very conservative church that essentially believed essentially that money was bad and i'll tell you that probably 95 percent of what i was taught in church was absolutely right on the glory of the cross and the resurrection and the ascension of jesus and the you know the, the the, uh, the um, priesthood of all believers and all these wonderful tenets that we come uh, out of the Bible, but there's these little twisted things that begin to change uh, in the things that we're taught. So for example, when I was growing up, probably much like when you were growing up, I was told the single best thing you could do with your money was to simply give it away, mm -hmm. to give it away. Uh, and I'm just going to say to those who are listening, just hang with me for just a couple minutes, okay? Because this is the one part when I teach this one principle that when I'm teaching live, I will literally see thought bubbles in the spirit pop up. Oh, geez, not going to listen to this guy anymore. Okay. Just stick with me for just a couple of minutes. I was taught growing up that the most important thing you could do with money was to give it away. I was taught growing up, there was this billionaire. They always talked about in my church. His name was CT stud. They said CT stud gave away 95% of his wealth and he lived only on 5%. And I was like, man, that's like what I want to be. I want to be so godly that I give all that away. Okay. So then I went into the real world. In the real world, 
uh, operates on a balance sheet and a profit and loss statement. And like, you got to balance your books. And I went into the real world and I started saving money because saving is a godly thing to do. But I knew my money was not my money. That's at least what I was telling myself at the time. My money's not mine. My money is God's. My money is not mine. My money is God's, which is true in one sense and not true in another sense. And I'll talk about what that is in just a second. So I was in the Marine Corps as a young pilot and I had saved over three years. I had saved $27,000. That was the amount in my mutual fund uh, that I had saved up to that point, which is actually pretty good. If you look at it, it was about $500 a month. It had grown. The mutual fund had done pretty well. $27,000, three years in the Marine Corps, $27,000, three years in the Marine Corps, $27,000. Then, then I went to this Christian event, okay? And I was a staff member. I was an associate staff member for an organization called the Navigators, which is this military Christian ministry group. And I went to this event and there was another Marine who was retiring from the Marine Corps so that he could go into the mission field to serve in the Ukraine. This is back in like 2000, shoot. Well, no, it's probably about like 1998. And, um, he stood up and he was telling everyone about the mission. And I was like really behind the mission and certainly behind the man, you know, Marine and everything. Uh, and he said, all we need to do is raise the money at this point. And he goes, our ministry shortfall is just $27,000. All right. And I was like, $27,000, man, that's how much I have. I mean, it couldn't be any more clear. My money is not mine. It's God's. He needs 27,000. I have $27,000. Uh, so I went up to him. I'm not even kidding you. It, I didn't even have to uh, stress about it. I literally went up to him right after his talk and I said, Hey man, you need 27,000. I have $20,000. I would love to give it to you to support your ministry. Uh, and at that moment, um, he looked at me like I had just grown an asparagus out of my forehead. Now I thought he was supposed to pull confetti out of his pockets and like play music and march me through the aisles of the church. And he said, Ed, thank you for that. I just really, really appreciate that. But can we just talk about this tomorrow? Let's have breakfast tomorrow. We can talk about this this uh, giving. Uh, and I thought, well, breakfast is when he's going to throw confetti, right? Uh, obviously, he's just got to tell his friends about uh, how generous I was. And by the way, I wasn't even doing it for that reason. I was doing it because I really wanted to give to this person. And so at breakfast, I'm sitting there at the Navigator's cafeteria at the castle up in up in um, Colorado Springs. And um, and he said, Ed, listen, first of all, I just want to say thank you. Your generosity uh, is, is really, really just wonderful. He said, that said, um, that's your money. And savings is biblical. And he goes, God wants you to grow that money and to be able to use it over your life. And I, I would love for you to support us. If you would consider maybe a couple hundred dollars a month, that would be a real wonderful gift for us. Uh, but I don't think I want to take all that money. And I thought, man, that was kind of hit me a little weird at the time. But I look back at that, that $27,000 grew to over $100,000 over time. That became a down payment on a house, which we sold, made some money from that, became a down payment for another house. That became the seed money for my first two years in my entrepreneurial journey. And I will tell you, I look back on that young man and the godly wisdom that he had in that moment to say no to the answer of their prayers in that moment. And I look back on that and what I realized is I was living a twisted, somewhat sordid view of what money was. First of all, I was believing money is, is God's. And money, by the way, is God's. He owns the cattle on a thousand hills, but also it's yours. Like your body's yours, like your kids are yours, like your house is yours. Sure, God owns everything, but he's also given it to you to take care of, to raise, to steward. We just got this new dog, by the way. We have a little puppy, a little 10-week-old puppy in the house. That puppy's God's, but that puppy's mine too. You know what I'm saying? So like God entrusted that little puppy <laughs> to the Rush to the Rush family, and that's the way you have to be able to look at, uh, at money. The second thing, which is really important, is I had a fundamental misunderstanding between uh, what what is fruit and what is seed. For example, if you looked at a farmer who gave away all of his seed, you would say that is a very unwise farmer. 
That's a very hungry farmer. That's a very broke farmer because what you do with seed is you plant seed. Now, when you plant seed, four things happen. A tree grows that has fruit. That fruit, you can do four different things with fruit. Number one, you can eat the fruit. Number two, you can sell it if you want to. Remember the proverb that says, uh, cursed is him who withholds grain, but blessed is him who sells it. I think it's wonderful that that says sells it instead of gives it away. So you can sell the fruit if you want to. Uh, you can give the fruit away, right? So you can you can eat it, you can sell it, you can give it away if you want to. And then you can take that fruit, extract the seed out of the fruit and every single fruit, like for example, we have these apple trees out here that produce about 100, uh, roughly 100 apples a year. Each of the apples have about 20 seeds. That's 2,000 seeds per year from one mm. single seed. So when you look at it, you're like, God's economy is unbelievable. One seed, 2,000 seeds every year with 100 fruit that you can eat, you can sell, and you can give away. And then what you do is you simply ask God, okay, then what's fruit and what seed? And I will tell you straight-faced, without any mental reservation or purpose of evasion, there are a lot of people in the church, good people, by the way, heart-centered people, who are giving away seed. Okay. And I know the building project is important. Okay. And I know the appeal is sometimes passionate, but the first question you need to ask yourself isn't yes or no. The first question you need to ask yourself, ask God is, is this fruit today or is this seed? And there's wisdom in there. Now, Robert, you were asking about the process. One of the processes I teach in the book that's sitting behind me called God Talks uh, is a process of asking God about money. And I will tell you, not only, not only is God just wonderfully wise, but he's up for a chat. You know, when you when you come to God with the questions that are on his heart, uh, he's ready to answer those. And I will tell you, I've led tens of thousands of people through an exercise inside that book, asking God questions about money, where he begins to unpack uh, and, un, uh, and expose some of the lies that we were taught. For example, if you grew up in the church, especially, you were taught that broke is better. You, you were taught that giving is the only thing that you could do. Um, uh, with your money that was worthy or or um, or godly. But right now, we're building a conglomerate of people who want to, check it out, buy Disney, okay? We're building a conglomerate of people who want to buy who want to buy CNN and the New York Times. Literally, we are putting together billions and billions of dollars to be able to go off and acquire these uh, businesses. Why? Because, you know, you can boycott Disney if you want to. Like, sure, Disney's policies aren't in line with what we think is, you know, the way the world should operate. And you can boycott Disney and they won't care. Just so you know, they don't care. It's like a, it is the, like a meat mosquito that landed on top of an ele elephant, okay? But you buy Disney, you can change everything if you want to because the person who owns who, who owns the thing is in charge of the thing. Listen, I was on a very big Christian show uh, just a month and a half ago. We had 20,000 people watching the show. I said something very controversial. I said, Elon Musk acted, when he bought Twitter, acted more like a kingdom person than most kingdom people. And the host said these words. The host said, I'm going to get myself in a lot of trouble for saying this, but I agree, okay? And so as believers, sometimes we need to think more like a person like Elon Musk. He was asked, you know, you know what he said? Uh, they said, knowing everything you know, because he lost a lot of money in that transaction, by the way. He said, knowing everything you know, they said to Elon Musk, would you have still purchased Twitter? And you know what he said? He goes, yeah, because there's a lot more important things than money. That's a kingdom way of thinking, okay? A acquisition through ownership. And so there's just a couple little thoughts uh, as far as uh, uh, just a place to go with money. A little bit of my story, too. I, I think this is so healthy to have this conversation. And I know it's going to challenge a lot of people. I know some people will be offended by what you said. But I think we have to have these conversations. Because you saying what you said about Elon Musk, a light went on for me of, well, you know, we're so comfortable taking territory in the spirit, and we should be. This is a season for us to be praying, decreeing, yeah. declaring, going to war in the spirit, standing for righteousness in the character and nature of the righteous one. 
But what about if we can also take territory in the natural? What if we can buy up some of these most influential pieces of territory that are releasing darkness, unrighteousness, and wickedness. It's no different than wanting to have a Christian go into politics, to yeah. go into places of authority, to bring God's rule and reign so that everyone can be blessed, not so that we have our way. And the same thing with, um, um, you have such a revelation of God as Jehovah Jireh. And as Christians, we know that name, we celebrate that <laughs> name. But what if we, and you're doing this, so I applaud you, Allow God to increase our vision, not only for all my needs to be met, but what about the needs of my nation to be met by me being blessed financially so I can start buying up things that have yeah. been taking the nation in the wrong direction? Yeah. Instead of Jezebel manipulating for the Naboth's vineyard, what if we buy Naboth's vineyard and uh, we do something good with it? Yeah, so. I think what you're sharing, I know it's probably controversial, but one of the things I know about you is your kingdom through and through, you're God's man, you are very good at stretching us and 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 getting us to see things in a new light that's still the light of God. You just shared two lies that we tend to believe, broke is better, and uh, what was the other one? It was broke is better. Yeah, and, give it, you, the, the best thing yeah, you can do with your money is to give it away. By the way, to give it away. That, yeah, is, and, I'm, is, and you know me, I'm a huge believer in sowing as a yeah. kingdom wealth strategy because yeah. it's valid. And you're not saying don't give it away. Right. You're saying there's other things we can do, including your example of grow it, and you'll actually be able to give away more later. Yeah. But so those are two lies that broke is better. And the only good thing you can do with your money is give it away. What are two truths that we tend to ignore yeah. or or we don't grab hold of that'll help us in this yeah. area? Great. So real quick, just to respond to two things you said there, which I thought was brilliant. First of all, if what I said offended you, that's okay. Just so you know, we can totally disagree and we can still be friends about that. I just want to let you know, uh, I do these big events all over uh, called God Talks Live. And, and a lot of times people are online who are watching them. Sometimes they're in person and I will very often... Uh, I, I, I jokingly, when I, especially when I go to a Christian event, I say one of the jobs God's given me is to deliver biblical truth that sounds like heresy, okay? I tend to push it a little bit because what I find is sometimes when you push it a little bit, you push people out of their comfort zone and into action, okay? Uh, and so just so, you, just so you know, as you're watching this, uh, you're more than welcome to, dis to disagree with me. Uh, I, I have changed my mind on a lot of things in 10, 10 years. I guarantee I'll change my mind on a lot of things in the next 10 years. And sometimes that conversation can help us come to a better understanding of something. So that's totally fine. What you mentioned about the taking things in the spirit. Okay, I am 100% on board. Uh, there's probably not a day goes by that I'm not at least at some point during the day sitting with the Lord, taking some sort of ground in the spirit. Now, just so you know why I take ground in the spirit, because we're, we're, we live in a world where earth begins to match what, it, what happens in heaven, right? It's very simple. On earth as it is in heaven. So if you're taking ground in the spirit, but it's not reflecting itself in the earth, you're not taking ground in the spirit. Come okay? on. So, you know, you, it, there has to, so like right now we're praying, we're praying about the politics, the political situation in America. I just want you to know, at the same time we're praying, we're building, I'm not even joking with you about this. We're, we're building a presidential campaign for 2024 at the same time that we're praying. Okay. So those two things need to match and mirror each other. I'm not saying that it, it has to happen in the, in a certain period of time. I'm just saying that it has to has to match. Okay. Now the question you asked was what, what is true. And I love that this question, because once you take the lie, a lot of what I do in my book, certainly a lot of what I do in my events 
is not only show people how to unveil what's 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 what a lie is, but also unveil what's true. But at the same time, take the truth and use it to physically, and I mean this, physically, literally, physically rewire your mind. I could show you video after video of the brain, of the brain itself literally rewiring itself. I do this at my events and I show people the neurology, teach you the brain science behind changing a way of thinking. By the way, the brain science, if you want to know, is simply based in Romans 12 that says, don't be conformed to the world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. That word transformed is the Greek word metamorpho. It's where we get our word metamorphosis. When Jesus stood up on the Mount of Transfiguration and turned blindingly white, it said that he metamorphosed. The same word, by the way, that Paul uses when he says that you should transform yourself. So he's saying like Jesus did, stand up on a mountain, turn blindingly white because you change the way that you think. Okay, and when you change the way you think, everything in your life changes, your health, your relationships, your money, frankly, everything changes in your life when you begin to change the way that you think. And fundamentally, that's the whole mission of God Talks is to teach you to think God thought, God's thoughts after him so that it changes everything in your life, okay? Mm -hmm. And by the way, we're very comfortable in the, in, the, um, in the Christian space, for example, saying, you know, when you follow God's thoughts, you're, you're going to be a healthier person, you know, your body. When you follow God's thoughts, your relationships are going to be better. When you follow God's thoughts, your marriage is going to get better. Listen, I could do, I could do that line in any church in America, and everyone would high five, like whatever, you know, if it was like Southern Baptist, they would nod. You know, if I was like a real Pentecostal, they'd be waving their hands. Uh, I could say, like, if you change the way you think about your marriage, it'll change your marriage. If you think God's thoughts after him about your marriage, it'll everybody would agree with that. And then I say, if you think God's thoughts after uh, about money, you're going to have more money. And people are like, oh, no, no, no. Hold on, Ed. This sounds a little bit like prosperity gospel. Someone came up to me at an event once and they said, uh, they said, are you a prosperity gospel person? By the way, if anyone ever asks you if you're a something, something, something person, just say no. Okay. Because <laughs> their definition, whatever their definition is, you don't want it. Okay. So I said, I said, I said, I said um, so they said, are you a prosperity gospel person? I said, well, not the way you're asking me, okay? So I, the first thing I said to them is not the way you're asking me. But I said, do me a favor, define what a prosperity gospel person is. And she says, well, uh, that's the kind of person who says, if you follow God, you'll be prosperous. And I said, well, that, that's what I believe, okay? So, so and look, it's, it's like John in 2 John says, look, I just pray that you will prosper as your soul prospers. He said it, I didn't. If you have a problem with what I'm saying, talk to John, not me, okay? He's all over the New Testament. You can see him everywhere. Disciple that Jesus loved. Okay. So he said, look, I just pray that you would prosper as your soul prospers. So yes, as you think God's thoughts, you will prosper. Now, I'm not telling you that you're going to make a million dollars in a year, but I am telling you that when you think God's thoughts after him about wealth and resources, you will more naturally attract wealth because you're thinking God's thoughts. Okay. So what's true? When I do these exercises, um, what will often happen is the folks like, when I do the exercise at my event about money, uh, people first ask God, uh, what lies do I believe about money? And then the next question they're gonna ask is what's true about money? And I will tell you fully transparently, I usually don't say this until my event uh, comes and the people do the exercise, but I'm gonna tell you now, roughly 60% of the answers that people write down are the same in the room, okay? You would be amazed. Like for example, the lies, the devil is not very creative, just so you know, the devil only knows how to copy things. Roughly 60% of the people, when I say, uh, what's, what lie do you believe about money? Roughly 60% of the people in any audience that I teach will say that they believe that they're unworthy 
of money. Sixty percent. Think about that. These are God's people, handcrafted humans, made in the image of God, destined for greatness, and they're standing there thinking that they're not worthy of money. Well, listen, if you don't think you're worthy of money, you'll push money away, right? And so what often happens is when God delivers the truth, it's the opposite of the thing that they wrote down. Uh, so for example, for someone who says uh, the lie they wrote down is that broke is better, God will often come and say something like, no, 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 you are blessed to be a blessing. And by the way, like, you know, that's right out of the Old Testament, right out of like, I think Genesis 12, if I'm, if I'm, uh, correct on the reference, right? So if somebody wrote down, um, I'm unworthy of money, God will come in and say, no, you are my son or daughter made in my image and you are worthy of wealth and honor and glory. And by the way, those words bother you. Remember it was Paul himself who said, seeking glory, honor, and immortality. So sometimes I'll walk into my event and I'll go, how many of you think it's wrong to seek glory? Everybody will raise their hand. And I'll go, then why did Paul say, seek glory, honor, and immortality? If God, Paul said to seek it, okay? I'm not saying, like, it's just right there in the Bible. Like, I'm just telling you what's there, okay? Look it up, by the way. Some of you are like, that's not there. Just type it into the Google. <laughs> type it into the Google, it's there, okay? So <laughs> so a lot of times, uh, Robert, what happens is the opposite. It's the opposite, right? If somebody says, um, money's going to make me into a bad person, people always say that. People always say, money's going to make me into a bad person. Just so you know, no one ever does that logic on anything else okay so for example let's say you want to uh, lose uh, 20 pounds you know you want to be healthier because you want to have a body that's fit to serve right nobody ever goes yeah but you know losing 20 pounds is going to make me into a bad person no one ever says that right nobody's ever like man i could just use a vacation god could you just give me a vacation no nah, i don't want the vacation to turn me into a bad person god could you give me a great marriage no i don't want the good marriage to turn me into nobody ever says anything about any other category about except for money right <laughs> And they're like, I don't want money to turn me into a bad person. Well, here's the thing. Money is nothing more than a magnifying glass. If mm -hmm. someone is a horrible person, it'll make them be more horrible. We, you only have to look to Washington, D.C. to see examples of that, okay? But if you're a good person with a good heart, and by the way, if you follow the Lord, you are. Biblically, it says that you have a good new heart. If you're a good person with a new good heart, good new heart, it's going to simply magnify your ability to do go, those great things uh, in the world, okay? So a lot of times the truth are the opposite. It's like if... You're saying, hey, I think money's going to turn me into a bad person. God will come in and say, money will magnify uh, your ability to do my will in the world. And by the way, money's nothing more than a tool. Okay. Like I said, we could boycott Disney. That's a tool. Or we could buy Disney. That's a tool too. Okay. Uh, and in the world that we live in, every, look, every context is different. But in the world that we live in, wealth means you have the ability to, be, to change things if you want to. Now, we can change things in the spirit like that if we've got authority. But to change things in the natural require the resources in the natural simply because God uses the means of the world typically to change the world. So anyway, <laughs> I think that's that's one of the, the key points is as Christians, you know, we're praying uh, to influence things in the spirit. We're here to also influence things in the natural. Uh, Jesus didn't say, hey, pray like this in the spirit on earth as it is in heaven. No, on earth as it is in heaven. That's part of the goal of prayer. And I think when we realize that in wealth is influence. Um, and just how you've said it, you know, whether that's buying Disney, that's buying the New York Times or fill in the blank or or being able to finance a campaign for candidates who have godly values and want to help the nation come back to the will and ways of God. That all through finances, we have influence. We can complain about it all day long and say money's filthy, money's horrible, money's lucre, money's the root of all evil. No, no, no. We already covered that. It's the <laughs> love of money that's the root of all evil. Yeah. Money is a tool. And Ed, I'll tell you something. All of the years that I served in Southeast Asia, 
in the slums of Cambodia, the slums of Thailand, the brothels of Thailand. I saw I saw the devastation of poverty. Oh yeah. There's there's nothing on earth as it is in heaven about poverty. Yeah. Um, and we're here and and so if we're to believe for on earth as it is in heaven, part of that is we need to be willing to receive abundant provision to change things in abundant ways. Amen. And the other thing I'll point out to people is if you're wrestling with this, and it's okay, if you're wrestling with it, sometimes we need that tension of the yeah. wrestle. Ask yourself, why am I wrestling with this? Because it might expose some of the lies you believe and some of the truths you pushed away. But why would God in his word say again and again, why would a focus of the New Testament be for us to help the poor? Yeah. He doesn't say be the poor. Be poor. He says help <laughs> the poor. Yeah. If being poor was godly. If poverty was holy, then he'd say be the poor. Don't help the poor. But we're told again and again to be there for the poor, to help the poor. One of the ways we're going to do that is absolutely yeah. in the midst of their wrestles, get them saved. But part of that salvation experience is so they can know a God who is the God of Philippians yeah. 419. I will meet all your needs according to yeah. my riches in glory in Christ Jesus. Amen. So, Ed, I yeah. know we only have you for a couple more minutes. I know you got a lot of stuff going on today as you do every day. Thank you for what you've shared. If there's anything else you want to share, um, please do. It'll help yeah. open eyes, open yeah, one hearts. More thing. Yeah, definitely. Because then I also want to have you pray for the audience. Oh, great. Go okay, ahead and cool. share whatever you cool. want to. Then I'm going to have you pray for the audience. And when we're done with that, don't go anywhere after that, guys, because I'm going to have Ed share where you can get more from him, where you can go to one of his God Talks events, and where also you can get his amazing book, mm -hmm. God Talks. <laughs> cool, man. Thank you. Yeah, so um, I was on the phone. Uh, I, I have the wonderful blessing of, of mentoring, helping, and teaching some, some, frankly, some very big leaders in the, especially in the Christian space. So I spent a lot of time on Zoom, you know, or on the phone, we're just talking to guys and sort of sharing ideas. Uh, and I love the idea. I love the idea of sharing. Okay, just so you know, um, we don't always agree, um, and that I think that's unbelievable. Like I have team members uh, who are you've met Robert, some of my some of my team members, some of the smartest people in the world. And when we disagree on something, I know we're going to come up with something great on the other end of it. Okay. And so I'll be on the phone a lot talking to these guys. And I, I was talking to one, one of the guys about, about wealth. Uh, and he said, well, how could you say that? And I said, well, I feel like what I teach is biblical, you know? Uh, and he goes, well, clearly, he said, clearly, we know that Jesus and all the disciples were all very poor. Uh, and I said, uh, I said, well, how do we know that? And he said, the Bible is very clear on that. And I said, well, where is the Bible very clear on that? I, I, wasn't, I wasn't trying to be a jerk about it. I was asking him honest questions. I said, where's the Bible very clear on that? Uh, and he said, well, it's just, it's just very clear, <laughs> you know? So that was the answer. And so uh, that conversation, just so you know, cause I always like the conversations, but I also want to find out like all the things that are true. I went back to the new Testament and I wanted to find out if that was true. Uh, and not only did I find out, I didn't find out that what he said was true. I also didn't find out what I said was true. What I found out was it actually doesn't really say much about it at all, uh, which gives an ambiguity about context, right? Cause if you believe that the apostles and Jesus were very poor, Everything you will read is through the lens of being very poor. Like, for example, the fact that they had a money purse that Judas right. carried around. You know, uh, you think the money purse has probably barely got anything in it. But if you think, man, they had probably had a lot coming to them, like Jesus was given all this gold when he was born. Like, what happened to that stuff? You know, and all they had a lot of supporters and people around them all the time. And then I read this first, right? And I read, I was reading this, and I thought, this is interesting. Because I was taught uh, growing up that the real way to follow Jesus is to leave everything behind and to follow the Jesus. And the reason why I learned that was because they told me this story. Uh, Jesus went to these guys, they were fishermen, and he, and he said, follow me. And they left 
everything. This is what I was taught. They left everything and followed Jesus. But like four chapters later, they're back in their boat, you know? I'm like, well, wait, wait a second. They, I thought they left the boat. And then like four chapters later, Jesus is standing in the boat giving a sermon, okay? And then after Jesus dies and rises again, they're fishing again. And I'm like, wait a second. They left the boat. They left the boat. So I went back to that verse. Here's what it says. Ready for this? They left their nets with the hired hands and followed Jesus. Did you catch that? So, so to, they owned a boat and they had hired hands. And they said, hey, guys, you take care of the boat and the fish. Just, just send it to the market like we normally do. Keep track of the money. They had a business. They had a business, right? Paul was called a tent maker. You know what, you know what that means? That's not a missionary who, who earns their money in another way. That's the way we... Paul made tents for a living. Paul was an entrepreneur. Paul's a business owner. And it's about context, right? So when you read context, you start to think, oh man, maybe the picture that I had is different. And the reason why we have a problem is because we read the New Testament as though it was written for someone in 2023. Just so you know, the New Testament was, was written for someone in that context. It's our job to understand the context. When they left the boat and the hired hands, you're like, man, this probably wealthy fisherman who owns several boats and hired hands. And that was a pretty lucrative way of doing things. Okay, so how you see scripture in context is actually really important because otherwise you're susceptible to what I was taught, which is like the only way, the only way to follow Jesus is to leave everything behind. Now, let me be very clear about this. Sometimes he asks you to leave something behind. Okay, if he does, leave it behind. You know, Jesus also said, look, if you don't hate your mom and your dad and your brother and your sister, like that's rough words, just so you know. He was just setting a distinction between following him and following everyone else. Anyway, so thank you for that. Uh, I guess I'll give you the place to find me. I think that was your next question, right? Should I hit that? Yeah, please. So the website, that, if you're watching this on video, there's a website on, on underneath my name. It's godtalks.com. Easiest website in the world to remember. It's just G-O-D-T-A-L-K-S.com. Make sure you put the S at the end. Uh, when you get there, there's a link that will take you to the book on Amazon or wherever you buy the book. Uh, and there's also a place where I created this content um, uh, for you. I created a series of audios that you can put your headphone on and do what I call a guided conversation with God. Okay. And those gift audios are totally my gift to you. You can have those whether or not you invest in the book, but let me just tell you, the book's like 20 bucks. Okay. And it is absolutely worth it. It will shepherd you into a completely new conversation with God. Very different from anyone that you've had in the past. Uh, it's designed to create change just so you know. So a lot of the times, uh, uh, in the past where I've learned how to have a conversation with God, it, it did work. It just, some of it never made its way to change. And that's because I think really, uh, I'll say the genius of the book, because a lot of it was given to me by God anyway, is taking the conversation with God and turning it into neurological change, which creates actual physical change in your life. Okay. So for example, if you've been praying about money, for five, 10, 15 years, but it hasn't showed up in your life in the way that you want it to, there's a reason for that. And normally it's a way of thinking that you need to retrain, okay? So the book's there, it's called godtalks.com. And when you go there, there's a place for you to get on our email list. I would love for you to come to my next event. Uh, we're actually, our next event, Robert's in, in uh, Phoenix, right near you. Um, and uh, I won't give you the dates because we, we have all new dates. You may be listening to this later on, but I'd love for you to come to an event. These are two to three day immersive events. Uh, where you get to have a conversation with God about a specific topic. So we do events on purpose, on money. Our next event is about business. Literally, you're going to be asking God questions about how to get new customers and how to how to uh, how to grow your list and how to like increase your following and how to find your purpose. So it's all there, my friend, at GodTalks.com. So thank you for that. And um, I think you wanted me to 
say a prayer? Or, yeah. yeah, absolutely. I'd love for you to pray for the audience, but I also want to encourage everybody. I'm going to this event in Phoenix <laughs> and I know Ed, Ed's one of my favorite people. I've done events with Ed, but I'm going to attend this event because I've heard bits and pieces of what he does at God Talks. It is outstanding. I can't <laughs> wait to sit and be a part of this to learn from you. So everybody watching this, when go to godtalks.com, look for the new dates, join me. Maybe we can even have lunch together um, or something, but come and be a part of this God Talks event because, um, and get the book. I'm telling you, my father, who is on <laughs> his way to being a believer, was willing to receive this book because my dad's ex military, he's a former military, former Navy, and he so respected what I told him about Ed after Ed and I served together in an event. Now, I didn't serve in the military, Ed served in the military, that my father was willing to read this book and he loved it. You as a believer are really going to love this book. It's going to open up a whole nother aspect of the prophetic. For those of you who are watching me, and you're in the charismatic space, I know how much you love the prophetic, me too. One of the things I love about Ed is he brings another aspect of the prophetic into these God Talk events and his God Talk book, God Talks book, and you are going to want to read it. So Ed, I am so happy to promote what you're doing because I believe in you and believe in what you're doing. But before you go, I am going to ask you, please pray for the audience as Holy Spirit leads, whether yep. it's for them to see lies that they've been believing or truth that they haven't seen or however he leads you, yep. my prophetic friend. All right, let's do it, man. Thanks. Lord, we just honor you. and we, we just thank you for all of your gifts to us, physical, financial, relational. Thank you, Jesus, that you died and rose again. Thank you that you ascended into heaven that you sit at God's right hand. And at least according to Ephesians, we sit there with you, Lord. So we thank you that we're seated truly in a place of authority and power in heaven. Um, and Lord, it is from heaven that we speak to the earth that we so desperately want to change. We want to see the political structures change and the financial structures change. You want to see different new currencies and different ways of transacting and new businesses, uh, Father. And you want to see your, your people uh, completely dominate in areas like AI and, and virtual reality and new technology and not run away from those things, Lord, but embrace the technology that you're bringing into the world to change, Lord. We have fresh water in our house mm -hmm. because of a technological advancement, Lord, and the church was always in the lead on those things until recently, and Lord, we speak into the future and just say there's people listening right now who are going to take the lead in AI and virtual reality, others who are going to take the lead in social media, others are going to take the lead in business and entrepreneurship, others who are going to lead the church in a, in a new and good direction, others who are going to speak or write a book or share a message or or, or change the way they parent or change the way uh, they deal with um, a husband or wife uh, at home. We thank you, Lord, that you're just motivating people to move into this area. Father, for those of you who, who, who resonated that one moment, I said, we're going to buy Disney, we're going to buy the New York Times, we're going to buy CNN, um, help them to see, yeah, this isn't just like a uh, something I say on a pot. This is something we're really going to do. Uh, and Lord, we, I would just, I would just encourage and inspire the person who heard that to go yes. make a million or 10 or $20 million to be able to acquire the resources necessary to be able to move uh, your mission forward. Father, for those um, who feel like they got like too late, you know, for those who are listening, who are 65, 70, 75 plus who said, yeah, Ed, I like it, but it's like too late for me, or I've uh, missed out. Those are lies too. One of the biggest <laughs> shifts I see in the entrepreneurial space is 65 plus crowd is rushing back into the entrepreneurial space. And Lord, that's because you found faithful people uh, and you're calling them into another mission. So if you're listening and you and you feel that, ah, oh, like 
it's too late. It's not. That's a lie that comes from the pit of hell. It smells like smoke. And Lord, we just break that lie. We speak to that person who's listening, who's in their 70s, even in the 80s, uh, who are ready for a new mission and calling that they would raise their hand. And with that, by the way, if you're in that zone and you mentally or even physically raised your hand, when you raise your hand, what you get with that too is, is God's going to give you a new vitality, a physical, actual in your body vitality to be able to accomplish that mission um, there as well. Lord, for everyone else, everyone else who's who's uh, you know age two uh, all the way up, uh, Lord, we just pray a strengthening and a blessing. May the Lord bless you and keep you, make his face shine upon you, be gracious to you, lift up his countenance upon you, and give you peace. Amen. Amen. Ed, thank you so much, my friend. Hey, if you need to jump off, totally understand, but thank you for what you shared. Thank you for how you're stretching and growing the body. We here talk a lot about being part of God's solution and everybody, I know you're comfortable with that, but this is part of being God's solution. So get to godtalks.com, get more from Ed, get his book, uh, go to one of his courses, join me in Phoenix when he does one early next year. But Ed, thanks so much for being with us. I love you. I appreciate you. And I'm grateful for what you shared. My love friend. you, man. Too. Thank you. All right. And for everybody else, hey, I want to quickly end where we began and remind you that when Jesus said in Luke 10, that as he sent us out, don't take anything with you. Don't take any money. He wasn't saying, I'm assigning you to a gospel of poverty. He was saying, oops, sorry, guys. Let me get this balanced. He was saying that I'm going to bring you into a whole new level of understanding of provision and supernatural provision in such amazing and abundant ways. That's what God has for you. That's what Ed was sharing about. So ask God to reveal any lies that you've been believing, but even more truth he has for you in the area of money, because God wants to bless you so that you can be a blessing. And you just may need to get comfortable with the idea of being a kingdom wealth machine. Thanks for being with me for this week's episode. Don't forget about our supernatural mentoring series on my Robert Hodgkin YouTube and Rumble channels where every week we mentor you in the supernatural. We make the supernatural simple so that you can grow in the things of the spirit and be even more fulfilled and effective in your faith. We're wrapping up a whole block of mentoring on the prophetic. You're going to want to grab hold of that. And be sure to subscribe so that you are aware when we upload new shows like this or new supernatural natural mentoring series shows. All right, guys, God bless you. And may he also prosper you in Jesus's name. See you back here again soon. Ready for more? Go to roberthodgkin.com for more teachings, more resources, and more information about Robert Hodgkin Ministries and Men on the Front Lines.